have you ever heard the statement, 30 days half September, April, June, and November, all the rest have 31, save February with 28 days clear and 29 each leap year? Or maybe, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. You could even use something like I before E except after C, or when sounding like A as in neighbor and way. And so these phrases are called mnemonic phrases. They're short little, um, short little sentences to help us remember key things in history or grammar or anything like that. And so today we're going to explore that there's a five phrases that the Apostle Paul uses in Scripture um, that are kind of like a mnemonic phrase for the early church. So go ahead and grab a Bible, sit back and relax as we begin right now on The Great Sift. Welcome to The Great Sift Podcast. Through weekly installments, we provide content that will engage, encourage, and empower you as a believer in Jesus Christ. We tackle topics of the day, host interviews, and provide a biblical view on what is happening in the church and the world at large. So, grab a Bible, open your heart, and let's begin to sift through all that God has in store. The five faithful sayings, or the five trustworthy sayings of Paul. These mnemonic phrases really did help the beginnings of the early church in understanding the true purity of the gospel. So when we look at the five uh, phrases that, that we're going to, we're only going to take on two of them today, and we're going to go over the other three next week. I've outlined each one of them and uh, kind of categorized them, and so you're going to find three of them in First Timothy one of them in 2 Timothy, and the other one, the last one, is in the book of Titus. So if you're kind of taking notes and, and trying to think through, maybe doing some study on your own, you can kind of categorize them as this. There is one that is called Christ Came to Save Sinners. The second one is A Noble Task. The third, The Value of Godliness. The fourth, He Remains Faithful. And the fifth, Saved by Grace? Now what? And so today we're going to take one and five, one and five, because they go together in an incredibly cool, almost even seamless way uh, as we begin to explore them. So today we're going to unpack, if you will, uh, Christ came to save sinners and saved by grace. Now what? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. And it says this, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here comes the statement now. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received this mercy for this reason, 
that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, the beginning of verse 19, to finish the sentence, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck their faith, a shipwreck of their faith. I want to point out several things within this for us to understand and to hold on to. Oftentimes in um, the American church, um, the church that's the visible church right now, professing Christians right now, a lot of people will say, um, or a lot of people I've encountered have said that Jesus Christ came to be the ultimate example for how we are to live our lives as Christians. While yes, in a facet that is true, he is an example we are to aspire to be uh, going towards what he has set forth. But let us not forget that he is God. Let us not forget that, yes, he was 100% or he was truly man, but he was also truly God in all, in everything that he did. And his ultimate goal, his ultimate trustworthy saying that Paul is bringing to light here is that of why Jesus came. Let me read it again. But I received mercy for this reason, verse 16. I'm so sorry, verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So the fact that we have come to Christ as sinners, undeserving of any type of grace, but yet he still gives it. That is the reason he came. He came and through Paul, we see a beautiful, perfect example of how Christ Jesus can restore and redeem a life, restore and redeem unto his service, unto who he is, not for what we can gain here on earth. Now, the example that Jesus brings forth, we also see in Luke 19, 10, uh, the Bible says that I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's Jesus speaking. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, uh, verse 30, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it right in front of me. I'm so sorry. Um, but it says, if, if everything that Jesus did was written down in all of the books, there would be so much that they couldn't even fill the earth. Verse 31, but these, talking about everything that happened within the book of John, but these are written, all of the miracles, all of the healings, all of the, how he lived his life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, bodily resurrection, all of this was done, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and by believing you will have life in his name, this hope for eternal life. We live for way more than just simply being on this earth. The Bible tells us in Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. What he says will never pass away. He is so faithful to his people, to you and me, 
that it will never pass away. And so we have to hold tight to the fact that the gospel message is of utmost importance because it is not only our salvation, but it also brings us the hope for eternal life that we so long for and need. And so when we have this little trustworthy saying in 1 Timothy, he's speaking, Paul is speaking to Timothy, this young pastor in Ephesus, and he's saying, this is a trustworthy saying, hold tight to this, that literally in uh, verse 15, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And what is, what can we pull from that? That he received mercy for this reason, that in me, Paul, as the foremost, meaning worst sinner, Okay, Jesus Christ might display what? His perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. How beautiful of a trustworthy saying do we have knowing why Jesus actually came? Do we gain more from Jesus's coming besides just eternal life in the sense, and I don't want to say just eternal life as if it's not a big deal because that is the reason he came to give us eternal life. But yes, there is an example that he set and how he lived his life. But even, um, not I don't want to say even more so, but we see in the New Testament, Paul living it out. Paul showing what a Christian life is supposed to look like. Peter living it out, showing what a Christian life is supposed to look like. So there's many facets to it. But let us not forget the ultimate main reason why Jesus came. The second one is saved by grace. Now what? going over to Titus chapter 3. So just turn a couple books over to Titus chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 1. It says this, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, this is verse four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Now, I want us to understand something. He, inside of this little phrase, this little passage, beginning in verse four is where we really start to see the trustworthy saying. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified, how? Not by our works, but by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. 
And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Within inside of this, especially beginning, as I just said in verse 4, we see the trustworthy saying coming into shape. And it's important to note that it's by him and his grace we are saved. And inside of his grace, loving us, blessing us, saving us, taking care of us, building us up, allowing us to have full assurance that he is who he said he is and we are. And what's going to happen is, is in what's been promised to us is this hope for eternal life. And it's beautiful. And so the saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist, verse 8, and I want you to insist on these things. So that those who have believed in God, if you and I, if we have believed in God, we may be careful to devote ourselves to good works. These things are excellent and are profitable for people. So it begs the question, and I've done different podcasts on this. I've had many personal conversations with people, and I'll continue to do so. I've put lots of posts on Facebook and social media about what is a good work. What is a good work? Because every time we read, not every time, but a lot, a lot of times when we read, like in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're equipped for every, or uh, Ephesians 2, 10, we're equipped for every good work. It's followed by, that, that follows that we are saved by grace. It's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. So we can't boast. And we're equipped for every good work. In Titus, it says that now that we've received this grace, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who believe may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are excellent and profitable for people. So when we look at that idea of good works, we can turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6. We can see even in Ephesians 4 what the inward workings of a person need to be, and the outward expression then comes good works. The, the normative in a Christian life is being a good father. The normative in, uh, in a Christian life is being an incredible husband, one who loves and prays for and intercedes for their family, one who, when you're at work, you're not somebody who easily gets angered and quarrels, somebody who extends love even when it's not supposed to be extended in in human standard, one who forgives quickly, who speaks slowly, who isn't easily angered, who seeks to honor others more than himself or herself. These are the good works that God places before us to do on a regular basis. And in doing so, it will lead people into conversations about what? The gospel, the hope of eternal life. First Peter tells us, that we are to always be prepared to give anyone a reason for the hope that we have. Why would people want to know why we have hope? Because we're expressing it through our good works and how we live our life and how we keep in step with the Spirit, how we abide in the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we're going to be, uh, I mean, like obviously we want to be praying for people and loving people and taking care of people, but the first uh, expression that people see of us are going to be the good works that the Lord has placed inside of us. 
as we and, and, and equipped us for as we walk throughout our daily lives. No, it may not seem like like over-the-top sensational. It may seem mundane to some people. But what God truly cares about in our lives is that we express because it's profitable. And according to the word, it's excellent and profitable for people when we devote ourselves to good works. So two of the trustworthy sayings that we find in Paul or find that Paul wrote in 1 Timothy and in Titus is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom he is the foremost for the reason that his patience, Christ's patience in Paul would be the example that we have hope for eternal life. We can have assurance of our eternal life when we see, even through Paul, even through the worst of sinners being taken care of and blessed by the Lord. And then secondly, in Titus, we can see that that once we've received this grace, once we've received this hope, what are we to do? We are to turn it around and devote ourselves to excellent and profitable good works, profitable for people. And so within this construct, we see a beautiful picture and an easy way to remember that our lives are to be centered around the gospel. That it is not by by anything we've done, but only by God's grace that we could even have this this hope, this salvation. And that from that hope, it then turns into good works. The relationship that you build with Jesus turns into devoting ourselves to the good works that God has placed before us. And through his scripture, through his words, he has um, equipped us for. So I want to thank you for joining me today. Uh, That was two of the five trustworthy sayings of Paul, and we will get to the other three next week. I just want to say God bless you. Thank you for taking your time out and listening with me today. Continue to study the Word of God. The Word of God is our ultimate standard. It is uh, our authoritative standard in which we live and practice and uh, have conduct in our Christian walks. And may God truly bless you right now, today. Mm